You are listening to Seattle Sports Saturday with Lydia Cruz, Curtis Rogers, and Taylor Jacobs on 710 ESPN Seattle. Start of a new era in Seattle sports as the Seattle Dragons and D.C. Defenders. They're about to get underway from Washington, D.C. In a matter of really seconds. Game, you can catch that game on ABC right now. Uh, there is no radio broadcast of the Dragons Defenders game, but we will give you updates as it moves along. Yes, a lot of people, uh, not confused, but understandably thinking, you know, we are partnered with the we XFL are, yeah. Dragons. You're going to hear the Jim Zorn show on the John Clayton show on Monday. You have the Dragons Insider show every Wednesday night, and then Fridays you're going to get a special podcast as well. Uh, all Dragons themed. So this is your home for the Dragons, your radio home for the Dragons. However, there is no actual radio home as they are just going to be doing things digitally and doing things uh, as far just a traditional broadcast and digital components as well. Yeah, but, uh, I mean, the XFL is it's here. Uh, we don't know how long it's going to go for, but we hope it's going to be here for for a quite bit. a while, yeah. Uh, but yeah, Seattle taking on D.C. from Audi Field in Washington, D.C., home of the D.C. United. Uh, you know, a lot of new stuff with the XFL. And what are you most looking forward to with this new league? And I think with each sort of football venture that's out there outside of the NFL, I think the NFL does kind of pick and choose elements of the new rules that these leagues roll out and say, you know what, we could we could do something like that because the AAF last year, it was a flash in the pan. It wasn't here very long. The league folded before they were able to crown a champion, but they had replay available on all plays, including pass interference. And that's something that the NFL adopted and went with in the 2019 season to varying levels of, I guess, success. You could call it. There were a lot of head scratching moments with that, but you look at the XFL right now and sort of their rules that stick out, the different extra points. You've got three levels of extra points, one point, two point, and three point. No kicking for an extra point, though. Yeah. You got to go for it. I like this strategy a lot because if you think about it um, from, a, from a maths perspective here, if you go for the three-point conversion and you hit it, that's three. That's three free points. You know what that's I mean? It's a nine-point possession. Right. So you can essentially go for that three-point play two more times feel okay about it because you at least got one point per attempt if you average it out over three attempts. So you got to be thinking if you can get one of those three-point plays, it's such a swing. And on the flip side, you're never truly out of it. Look, if you're down nine, one score, that's a one-possession game. So unless it's a double-digit lead, you're truly in every single game until the last moments of this game. So it's going to be really exciting and fast-paced, right? Yes. It's going to be nonstop. The clock starts, essentially, as soon as the play ends. So you're going to have, they're going to have people running up to the ball. We're going to see in the first few weeks how that affects the endurance and what these players look like at, towards the end of the game with it being that high pace and, and a little bit frenetic, but... I, I can't wait to see what this looks like. And to me, I'm most excited because what if they finally figure out a quote-unquote minor league system to football? Yeah. And that there is an opportunity after college football for 
kid for kids and athletes to keep playing, but it's also a a developmental league where the NFL can stash players, find players, send players up and down. It just feels like the storylines and the things you can talk about when you have a successful minor league system is going to be really great to see. And you can already see uh, if you go to ESPN plus, if you're trying to look for it or ABC, you can find the stream there and uh, looks pretty packed. Yeah. Audi field, pretty packed stadium. I guess we're minute away from kickoff between DC and Seattle first XFL game. And um, again, no XFL broadcasts on the radio it's going to be all TV and digital broadcast. So if you're looking for the game, you can uh, listen to the audio of the video stream on ESPN+. Plus. You brought up the faster pace of play with the game, and that's something that I am really looking forward to because I don't know about you, but especially in college football, uh, it gets long. It yeah. gets four, four and a half hours sometimes. And yeah, I mean, you're watching football, so there's not a whole lot to complain about, but at times it can be a slog yeah. to watch, especially if it's not a a fast-paced game, especially if teams are using every single second of that play clock, whereas 25 seconds, and then on top of that, every offensive player will have a radio slash mic in their headset to where everybody's getting the signal. They don't have to huddle up anymore, which honestly, like, why do we need the huddle in yeah. football? No, I like, agree. I don't understand that. It's a waste of time, especially because you know how little game action time you get in football between the snap of the ball and the end of the play added up. I agree. I, I, I can't wait to see what sort of wrinkle this adds to the game. No huddles. What does a no huddle league look like? Yeah. And what would that look like in the NFL, right? I'm going to keep comparing back all of the things I see this weekend and over the next few weeks in the XFL, and I'm going to be thinking to myself, well, what will this look like in the NFL? Well, what would this look like in the NFL? And it's going to be really great to see where the NFL might be able to learn from the XFL, if at all. Well, the NFL learned from the original XFL, another league that was just here and there, here and, and gone in yep. you know another quick, quick moment, you know, the Skycam. They they brought that over to the NFL. Um, you know, I look at what no coaches challenges in the XFL. All replay will be instituted by the replay booth, the replay official. I think that could be something that the NFL looks at too, because replay slows the game down. And you know, maybe if somebody sees something you know egregious, I guess, then you could really, you know. You don't have to have coaches out there that are slowing the game down by, you know, having to get the replay view of it first before they throw the flag. Whereas replay is just, you know, instituted by somebody up in the booth. I kind of like that. Yeah. I kind of like that. And hopefully it's similar to what I guess the AAF replay was like, because I think that was one of the good things about the league is how their replay went down. Yeah. And first play from uh, the line of scrimmage. The Dragons with a five-yard rushing gain. There so the go. XFL officially underway now. Historic. You have results. You have stats that we can talk about. It's not just speculation. We're going to get to see some actual results here. So uh, third and four for the Dragons on their first possession with 14 minutes left. I think what what's interesting about the XFL in this first go-around is also how they have not really shied away 
from, I guess, the gambling aspect. Yeah. Of it. You look at the score bug on the monitor here. And they've got the over-under on the score bug, which yeah. is kind of, you know, the NFL tries to hide that. They try to say, you know what, we're we're not about that, even though, like, that's the only point, or that's the only reason why, like, injury reports exist is yeah. for Vegas to, to, you know, help decide the game lines here. But the XFL, they're not shying away from that, and obviously they got to find any sort of way to make their brand – more appealing to, I guess, the casual sports fan. And there's nothing more, you know, appealing to, you know, sports fans than a way to make money off of this. Yeah, and I think that's also a way for you to get people to care about other teams and players outside of the market, right? Fantasy football, baseball, and how fantasy sports essentially have made league fans out of fans instead of just teams fans of teams, that they love the whole league because they're tracking the whole league now. They got different players from Cleveland and New York and and Green Bay and all over the place. So they're tracking all of these things now. So it'll be really interesting to see if the XFL is able to capitalize on that and the gambling aspect, right, that so many people do care about lines and over-unders and they watch the game different than fans do. They watch it for the numbers and for the, the accomplishments within the game. So... Quick three and out, really, just to catch people up here on the Dragons. Three and out from them on their first possession, and the uh, D.C. gets the ball back on the 20-yard line, and they're going to have the chance to go at it uh, offensively. But, yeah, no, Curtis, like you said, over-under prominently shown right there, 51-and-a-half for those who care, um, and, and it's as equal size as the play clock, the time, quarter, everything. So uh, We had Greg McElroy on yesterday with John Clayton, and he talked about why this XFL is is good for players that may not be currently on a practice squad that are trying to look for a way to stay in the in, in the football limelight. And here's what uh, McElroy had to say. The more I've learned about it and the more I've really kind of dove into the rosters and the philosophies behind the actual league itself, uh, I couldn't be more supportive. And frankly, as a guy that's really not that far removed from playing, uh, in the NFL. I mean, I'm only six years out. This is a league I would have played in, in a heartbeat. And I think that's what kind of drew me to it, is seeing the development and the fact that guys are getting actual playing reps as opposed to sitting on practice squads is something that's very, very exciting to me. McElroy, he's on the call today for ABC with Steve Levy. Uh, you know, it's a good point he brings up. Like, there are there are a lot of football players out there that, you know, they're good enough to play professionally, but you know maybe for whatever reason they're not good enough to make a practice squad in the NFL. They're not good enough to make the Canadian League. If you've got you know a league that gives you more opportunities like the XFL, I think that's great for the development of players. And if this can become, I guess, sort of a minor league for the NFL or at least an alternative uh, for for players to you know get out there and still play. I don't see how this is bad for the game of football itself. Right, yeah, and you, I think the word perfectly right there, opportunity. This is just another opportunity for people to better themselves, to continue their careers, to continue their passion, and that's what you want in life. These guys work so hard for these opportunities and these moments, and they're so hard to take the next step and get those NFL moments. So to potentially reward those people with still a, a achievable great things in the XFL I think would be a great opportunity for some of those players.
Coming up in this hour, A.J. Hinch, former Astros manager, he spoke publicly for the first time about the banging scheme that went on with his ball club during their during that team's best years. But coming up, Washington basketball, are they okay playing other schools' game, or should they create their own? We'll get into what we mean by that coming up here on Seattle Sports Saturday, 710 ESPN Seattle. Seattle Sports Saturdays with Lydia Cruz, Curtis Rogers, and Taylor Jacobs. On 710 ESPN Seattle. We'll be giving you updates on the Dragons and Defenders game going on right now. The launch of the brand new XFL. We're about five minutes into the first quarter. Still scoreless. DC with the ball. Third and two. They're going back and forth between their quarterbacks. Cardale Jones and Tyree Jackson. Some big hits so far, though, Curtis. Yeah. They, they've been uh, throwing the uh, the forearm shivers in there. Bows have been that. thrown. <laughs> Loving that. Uh, but, yeah, we will keep giving you updates uh, over the course of the next 45 minutes or so as we roll on here on Seattle Sports Saturday. But uh, the Huskies and Cougs, they face off tomorrow, the Apple Cup of Hoops, and both teams have surprised this season, I think is fair yes, to say. Yes, very fair. Surprised in drastically different ways. The Cougs, Cougs, they've equaled their conference win total from a year ago. They've got four wins. They're four and six. Not in last place, which is a step up from the Ernie Kent era, the entirety of the Ernie Kent era. Oh, yeah. The Huskies, though, everybody thought they were going to be an NCAA tournament team, Mm -hmm. myself included. I thought this was a team that... You look at the recruiting class they were bringing in, two top ten talents, Isaiah Stewart, Jaden McDaniels, and it has been it's been a nightmare season for the Huskies. Yeah, it's been and confusing as well because you had the Quad A Green situation, you know, he comes in, has the impact, now he's gone and acad- academically ineligible, but it's you see Isaiah Stewart, he was the less heralded prospect. Jade McDaniels, the more hyped prospect. And they've been the exact opposite as far as production has gone. And just and then on the other side of the state, Curtis, you mentioned it. The Cougs passing the eye test by a long shot. The, the style of basketball they're playing now compared to last year is night and day. And the fact that, yeah, they're not winning the games and they're still not a high win percentage but just they're competitive they're in the it's not embarrassing to turn on a kook basketball game and look at the scoreline and say whoa what's going on here it they're in it they may not be winning it but they're in these games and they're they're doing it a lot more efficiently great shot selection kyle smith really has this program moving in the right direction he does and i'm I'm not going to say that Mike Hopkins doesn't have the Huskies moving the right direction. Yep. I think there is more hope around the program in future years compared to where it was in the final years of Lorenzo Romar's team. But to me, I feel like the Huskies continually try to get away from what makes them their very best. And the the very best versions of Husky teams we have seen, whether it be under Mike Hopkins or Lorenzo Romar, have been teams that have guys who are three- and four-year players. Well, I don't know what it is about Seattle and why the one-and-done players don't work here because they work at Duke, they work at Kansas, they work in Kentucky, they work at Arizona, they work at North Carolina, they work at all of these places. 
But what separates those schools, I think, from what Washington is, is Washington is not a basketball school historically, whereas the athletic departments at all of those places that I named, they are totally focused on the basketball team as their main source of revenue. So they're going to pump all sorts of backing and finances into that program, and that allows those teams to have bigger recruiting budgets to go out and and get these guys who are the top five players in the country year in and year out. Whereas Washington, you know, they have great facilities, but they're not to the level of what Kentucky's are or to the level of even in their own conference what Oregon's and Arizona's are for their basketball teams. And I think Washington continues to learn the hard way that it's really tough to play someone else's game and expect to have the results that you've had in years past. I think that you just hit it so perfectly to try and play someone else's game. This isn't their game, right? You you mentioned all of those big schools with the one and dones. You know what school you didn't mention? Syracuse. Yeah. They're not known for this one. You had mellow, but like they're not known for the school of the one and dones, churning them and burning them. They're one of these programs where they bring people in, they mm-hmm. develop them, they become part of the system. They learn the Jerry zone. McNamara. Is... Right. Like those are the players that excel at a Syracuse. And I think if I'm a UW fan, I think this is it's tough news to swallow this season. You had such high expectations. But I think it's great, great news that this is happening now because it lets Mike Hopkins know this isn't it. Mm-hmm. This this ain't it, Chief. That the strategy going forward cannot be the one and done. So that it has to be find the system guys. Find the guys that fit my system, that play the zone defense, that can hustle on both sides of the court, and they will be productive in this system. And then the system will help these players, not the players help push the system. Now, I'm not saying pass on the opportunity to add an Isaiah Stewart. No. If you can get those guys. Correct. In your program, they are nice complements to the core that you have built. They are nice guys to have on your roster that, you know, accentuate what you've already got. And I think the Huskies right now, they don't have really anything to accentuate. They don't have anything for Isaiah Stewart to add to. And that's going to be the toughest thing, or that's going to be, I think, priority number one for Mike Hopkins in year four is finding a core group of players. There are guys on this roster that are going to be here next year. Marcus Sahonis, I think, leaps off the page to me as somebody that could be your starting point guard next year, somebody that you can build around. There's not a whole lot else out there for the Huskies right now in terms of building blocks for 2020 and, and 21 and 22, but you've got at least one piece in place and somebody who I could look at and see here three years from now as a senior. Yeah, and if you add, again, you add a couple more of those players next year. You add a couple more of those players the following year, and then you're looking at a core of players who are ready, they've played together, they've grown together, and that's the way you're going to succeed. You cannot, this just confirms it, that UW can't hang with the one-and-done schools like that. They just, they're not built that way. Those schools have been doing that since the rules changed, and that's why they're so successful with it, is that they instantly switched. It became a priority, both monetary-wise and focus-wise, and then that's that's where they go from there. So 
it's it's going to be really interesting to see what Coach Hopkins does on the recruiting trail the next few years because th- the types of players he goes after will be really telling about what this team will look like. Well, if you look at the 2020 recruiting class for the Huskies coming up here, they don't have anybody right now. Yep. But I think that might actually be a good thing because you look at the McDonald's All-American roster list and McDaniels and Stewart, they were two McDonald's All-Americans a year ago. None of those get – everybody's committed. Or if they're not committed, they've got – they're down to their final two or three schools, and none of them have Washington listed. Yep. That may actually be a good thing for the Huskies in terms of being able to build a core, a core that is here for multiple years because that's what made their last two teams as good as they were. Matisse Thibel, a yes. senior. Jalen Noel was here for two years. Uh, David Crisp and Noah Dickerson, those two guys were there for four years. You had a lot of guys. You can keep going playing. back, right? Like Brockman yeah. and Roy and Nate, Nate Rob. Rob and Will Conroy. That You just keep going through the history of success at UW, and the key thread throughout all of it is that leadership from upperclassmen. And, but, and then you look at the one-and-done guys that have come through the program. Tony Roten. You had Spencer Hawes. Markel Fultz, Chris. yeah, Marquise Chris, DeJounte Murray, all those guys kind of left a lot to be desired from yeah. their time at UW. I don't think – I think Isaiah Stewart, you could already make the case as the best one-and-done player in Husky history, and it's coming in a season in which they're 12-11, and 11, last place in the Pac-12 through about the midway point of the Pac-12 schedule. That, to me, is – you know, that that should – set off alarms in Husky fans' heads and, and really the heads of people who are calling the shots at UW and say, hey, like this style of recruiting, it's it's fun. It's fun to get these these five-star kids, but in order to build what we want to do here may not be our best route. Of course. Yeah, I, I don't think it's sustainable. I think that would be the one word. that You can go out and you can get them, and you look at Spencer Hawes and – I think he's still getting paid somehow by an NBA team. So shout out to Spencer Haas. <laughs> keep getting them checks. Yeah, keep getting them checks. So you're right. It's just been such a disappointment to dog fans to see that because the expectations always get so much higher when you get a player like a one-and-done, the one-and-done expectations, right? So it's going to be really interesting to see Isaiah Stewart at that next level because I'm hoping he can be the one to go to the NBA and actually prove that he's got the skills. We've got our first points in the XFL. Whoa, whoa. It's a field goal from the ah. D.C. Defenders. So the Dragons down 3 nothing. about five minutes to go in the first quarter today. We'll keep you updated on the action from D.C. as we continue along here on Seattle Sports Saturday. But up next, last night, A.J. Hinch, one of the central figures in the Astros' banging scheme, former manager of the 2017 World Series champion. He spoke to MLB Network. Can he be trusted in what he's saying, though? We'll answer that question coming up right here on Seattle Sports Saturday. Seattle Sports Saturdays with Lydia Cruz, Curtis Rogers, and Taylor Jacobs. On 710 ESPN Seattle. History has been made. Yes. The very first touchdown in XFL 2020 history belongs to your Seattle Dragons. Brandon Silvers finds Austin Prohl for a 13-yard touchdown. The Dragons lead it. 
six to three. Yes, they missed their. They went for one. Yeah, because there's no extra point. You can't kick an extra point. No, so they went for the one point play, uh, and it was an unsuccessful conversion tipped ball. So uh, six three, your score right now. Six three. Wild. This is this is cool. I'm enjoying it so far. I mean, we've only been able to watch kind of part time as we're hosting the show yeah. here with you. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in, by the way, on a, a lovely Saturday. It looks lovely, at least, from inside a windowless room. It is. It is. Uh, I mean, this is cool. It's football. It's actual real-life football going on right now in, in a time of the year that not a whole lot of us would expect to be seeing that. But Yeah, I'm not mad at it. Not mad at all. But uh, someone who I am mad at or a team that I'm mad at, that's the Houston Astros. And... More and more details are getting leaked out about just how deep this went. Wall Street Journal yesterday, they reported that former Houston GM Jeffrey Lunau, he signed off on all of it. Even though he has denied any sort of responsibility with this banging scheme, they reported that he knew about it from even before day one. Uh, Project Codebreaker is what it was known as within the Astros organization. And this, get this, it was developed by an intern, a lowly intern. That intern's probably like, glad I got out of that one. Yeah. He developed the whole thing. The Houston front office was okay with it. A.J. Hinch reportedly was not okay with it as he you know, multiple times tried to uh, break the monitor. In fact, he joined MLB Network last night in an extended interview with Tom Verducci uh, and talked really about everything that went on with the banging scheme. And he started off by saying he wished he had done more to stop it. You know, leadership to me is, is often about what you preach. It, it's your, it's like your, par, your, your, your pillars of what you believe in. Leadership is also about what you tolerate. And I didn't, I, I didn't, I tolerated too much. And that outlash of, of angst that I, I just, I didn't, I wanted people to know that I didn't, didn't like it. I should have done more. I should have I should have addressed it more directly. I mean, it's complicated when you're talking about a team and all the inner workings of a team. But in in reality, um, I just I just feel like I could have done more. Looking back, I mean, he's saying the right things. Yeah, yeah, you should have done more. Looking yeah. back, because if you had done more, you probably would have had you still would have had your job, which is at the time was probably the best job in baseball. You're managing a World Series champion. They went back to the World Series this last year. We're a couple innings away from a second title. But because he didn't do enough, he finds himself without a job. If this had just been maybe like a one-game thing mm-hmm. and MLB got caught wind of it and were like, hey, put a stop to that, and they did, I don't think there would have been any kind of controversy. I don't think there would There may have been at the time right. maybe a, little, a slap on the hand or yeah, whatever. Yeah. But this would not have grown into the biggest scandal baseball has seen since the steroid era. Yeah, and it just feels like yesterday when A.J. Hinch was was talking, it, it felt so weird. It felt not fake, but just artificial that, you know, Major League Baseball catches this guy, they vilify this guy, and then they put him on their network to get the exclusive interview. You know what I mean? It just feels dirty in this whole situation, and... It feels like this entire thing could have been avoided with the MLB taking a little bit more. Because, look, players have been talking about this for a while. And I think that's the most troubling for fans is that we've been hearing this from players 
and we we shouldn't have access to that type of information. Yeah. First, the people who are in the front offices who have access to that information have been quiet. So it's just it's really disappointing, especially because we know in Seattle how good this Houston team is. How much talent they have on this roster. Yeah, they went, what, 18-1 and one against the Mariners last, last and, year. And I know dang well they didn't need any sort of buzzer, any trash can. They didn't need any of that to do it. Well, you bring up the buzzers. A.J. Hinch was asked about whether or not his team did use buzzers, and he did not really give a direct answer. We got investigated for three months, and the commissioner's office did as thorough an investigation as anyone could imagine was possible. I mean, I know he mentioned the, the emails and the texts and the messages, and I believe him. It was a yes or no question, no. not, well, the commissioner con- concluded his investigation. Well, they didn't find anything. Yeah, but that just makes me feel like you did it. Yeah. Even more. And then there's also the videos of Jose Altuve saying, don't rip my jersey off, don't rip my jersey off. I mean, like, this thing has so much legs to it. Like, I don't even know if we've even gotten to even the beyond the tip of the iceberg yet. Mm-mm. Like, I, I'm not, I don't know if I'm ready to have my mind blown right. in this whole thing. There's going to be, I think there's going to be more details to this somewhere. Like I think now. there's going to be more details. To be honest, I think there's going to be more teams. I think there's going to be yeah. more teams that will be doing not this exactly, but a version, a variation of what the Astros have been doing. And I'm really hoping it's not another one of these really successful teams, the Dodgers, you know. I I don't want to see it be another big successful team because I think this has potential to be extremely damaging to the game of baseball. Mm -hmm. And that a, a sport so desperately trying to rebuild its fan base to get younger, to get more exciting, and then to have this come along and sort of blow up all that progress. I I don't want to see that. Oh, wow. Cardell Jones with a weird two-handed pass. You don't see that a whole lot in football. The old uh, chess pass. Oh, chess pass. (laughs) It's like the uh, Dr. Pepper throw at the bowl games. Right. Uh, Thumbs in and then thumbs down. (laughs) Thumbs in, thumbs down. Dragon's still up 6-3 on DC right now. But uh, A.J. Hinch also talked about so, I mean, I, got, I will commend Hinch for sitting down in a public light. Yes. I will commend him for being upfront about this. He doesn't have anything to lose right now. He's already suspended for a year. Right. He has nothing to gain or lose. So it's like for him, you're totally right, Curtis. Whether or not MLB asked him to do it or not, he could have said no. Could have not done this in... And it was a long-form interview, too. It wasn't just a couple yeah, clips. It was 25 minutes long. You can check it out on YouTube if, if you haven't already. MLB did post the entirety of it. But Hinch was asked about the players involved in this having not apologized yet. Uh, here is his response. I think players and anyone involved is going to have to handle it um, how they see fit. I know in time everyone's going to have to address this. We're, everybody's about to go to spring training. And players, coaches, managers, executives, everybody's going to have to address this in their own way. Obviously, some of the, the players that have come out in the fan fests and from around the league um, have weighed in, and others haven't. And I just know as the manager, I have to, I have to hold myself um, to that high standard and that accountability and that apology as well. 
What do you want to see from players that are involved in this, specifically Jose Altuve, Alex Bregman, George Springer, all these guys that who have been all-star level players. Altuve won an MVP in that 2017 season. Alex Bregman finished second this last year in MVP voting. What do you want to see from them when they hit the field in less than a week and they get a mic in front of their face for the very first time? To be honest, I'd love for the the players from last season's team. I obviously wouldn't make any new free agent signings, sit down and do this, but I'd put them all at one table. Mike's in front of all of them, and I'd let the media come in, and this is it. This is the time to ask your questions, to apologize, to get anything off your chest that you are going to get off your chest. I would follow that with the suspension for all the players involved. I don't know how long. I wouldn't make it a full season. But uh, enough time to deter players from doing it in the future. And that's it. I, I wouldn't take a title. I think stripping teams of titles is, is fake. Yeah, it doesn't do anything. It, it means nothing, especially to the team that lost that championship. I don't think you can ever tell them or any of those competitors that they are now the winner. Because they already printed the hats and shirts that say 2017 World Series and champion. They, and the and the people on the field experienced it, right? So whether or not the Major League Baseball tells them they're winners or not, they know what they remembered, what they feel, what they experienced, and what they accomplished or didn't accomplish and or didn't in any of those things. So stripping a title, I think, won't do any good as far as future deterrence or anything like that because there was still a parade. Houston still celebrated it like a World Series. But punish the players. Teach future players that this is not okay and teach the current players that contributed to it, make them pay some sort of dues because they got the ring, but make them suffer in another way that that sort of evens it out and makes it more palatable for, for baseball fans. It, it, this whole situation, it's one of those where it's like you don't even, you don't know who's telling the truth. Right. Even the people that have come out against it, who's to say their teams haven't done something like this? That's my question. Is that like, you heard about the Red Sox and being like, ah, throw the book at them and all these different things. Like, were they cheating too? Exactly. Have like, they been cheating? If I find out that the teams that have been angry with the Astros were also cheating, I'm going to be more angry at them for, you don't have to say anything. Just be quiet if you're guilty. And don't prod the Astros if you're guilty. But if you were Oh, boy, I'm, I'm coming at you with more flame than I, I am Houston. Yeah, we heard from, what was it, Marco Gonzalez uh, a couple weeks ago when he was with Bob David Moore, uh, just how he kind of felt angry about the Astros situation because that that's a team, uh, you know, that's a team how they've teed off on the Mariners over the last couple yep. of years. And this is how uh, he answered the question about how he would face the Astros. I don't know how other guys around the league feel. Um, I certainly have a lot of other I have other pitcher friends in the league who have faced them who are frustrated. They want um, they want justice. They want clarity. They want honesty out of everyone. Um, I think there's a large majority of players in this game who have played with integrity their entire lives. And that's all they want is clarity. We just want to know who we're up against, what we're up against and how to be great for ourselves. Yeah, I mean. It's going to be very, very interesting to see when the Astros step in the box, very first Grapefruit League game they're in, 
does whoever their leadoff batter is, do they take one to the side? I, I'm assuming Major League Baseball will come out and tell them not to do it, and I'm also assuming that the first <laughs> pitcher will come out and do it. And, I love it. Yes, yeah. and that they will let them know and let them hear about it in the when they step into that box, as they should. I'm all for it. Also, what I'm for is the Seattle Dragons leading after the first Let's quarter, 6-3. to three. Uh, They are currently up on the D.C. defenders. D.C. has the ball in Seattle's red zone right now. Uh, we'll keep you updated on that. Uh, we'll also give you some. We'll give you some shout-outs. We need your shout-outs as yep. well to the Coors Light text line seven ten seven ten. That's how we wrap up every single week here on Seattle Sports Saturday. We get to your shout-outs right next or coming up next yep. here on Seattle Sports Saturday. Seattle Sports Saturdays with Lydia Cruz, Curtis Rogers, and Taylor Jacobs on seven ten ESPN Seattle. Dragons leading the defenders 6-3. D.C. missing a 35-yard field goal. Seattle currently up with the ball. Let's go. They're moving. They got a first down. This is real-life football, folks. Good stuff. Good, real fun stuff. A lot of fun stuff today here on Seattle Sports Saturday. If you missed any of our three hours, you can check it out on the podcast page, 710sports.com. Click on On Demand. We're there. Uh, every hour of every show is there. And you can subscribe, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, wherever it is you get your podcasts. Uh, you can also listen to us on the 710 Sports app. It is powered by the Dubin Law Group. Uh, but yeah, shout-out time right here on Seattle Sports Saturday uh, from 360. Shouting out the uh, rainbow. and. Mm-hmm. Anybody dealing with stuff they think they can't overcome, that's that's big-time stuff right there. Yeah, mental health, always a big thing on this show. You're always uh, – we, we say it every week, but I'll say it again. DMs are always open. You're more than welcome to DM Curtis or myself or yeah. Lydia. She's not here, but I, I think I she'd be more than welcome with me extending that for her as well. So, um, yeah, you're not alone. You're never alone, and you can always uh, talk to someone if you need to talk to someone. So – we're always here for you. And uh, some more shout-outs, 541. Shout-out the XFL. No more, no football, no problem, Westerns. So, yeah, I didn't know there was a Western motif like that. Yeah, but I didn't, I don't, I'm into it. I don't know. But, yeah, that I think that brings us to our shout-outs for uh, this week. Uh, shout-out uh, to, yeah, the XFL. Mm-hmm. We, in our time here at 710, we have come in contact with a lot of people who are in charge of what's going on with the Dragons and the lead up to that and just how you know how much that really goes into putting out a professional sports team i mean that that is it it is such a huge undertaking not only a team a league yeah and to kind of just you know say like i'm going to give up this nice cushy job i have to go and and represent a, a team and a league that has never set foot out there or at least this iteration of the XFL has never made it to a field, but they're doing it right now. They're they're doing it in spades. You know, Seattle's up six three right now, eleven minutes to go, and they're they're you know, looking real good right now. Mm-hmm. For all of these factors to go into, you know, just putting a team out there on the field and, and launching a league, you know, shout out to the entire Dragons front office, their coaching staff, everybody that was able to uh to put this product out on the field yeah. today, it's it's huge, and who knows where this league is going to go? 
But, uh, you know, they were able to accomplish, I think, goal number one, and, and that's to launch the league. Yeah, Ryan Gustafson, local kid, grew up here. He's worked with a bunch of teams here, now has the opportunity to represent Seattle, the team where he's from, and help build this team and help put them out there as the president of the Dragons. So major shout-out to uh, and to Maura Dooley yeah. and to Lydia Cruz, our coworkers, and to you, because oh. you're going to be uh, working with Jim Zorn on the Clayton Show every Monday. Yes. Lydia and Mora going to be bringing you Dragons Insider Show every Wednesday. And then you have the Dragons Podcast, which will come out every Friday as well. So a lot of great stuff you're going to get here in partnership with the Dragons and 710 ESPN Seattle. So shout out everyone involved uh, with that. Just super cool. Again, all, all about the opportunity. Getting people more opportunities to do the things they love. So always going to shout that out. But uh, you can, again, for those who are trying to tune into the games, they will not be broadcasting the games on 710. You'll be able to hear the games on ESPN or ABC's streaming apps. So you'll have to use their apps in order to listen to the game or watch the game. And uh, DC Defenders with the first interception mm. of the XFL season. Hate to, see it. Hate, to see Hate to see it, but again, the Dragons still with the lead in that one early on. I'm going to give my shout-out. I always like to shout-out. Local businesses, small businesses, Parcel is a sneaker shop opening one hour ago in Crossroads Mall. They've been teasing it for a while. They're a big kind of sneaker streetwear store. So, look, I'm from the east side. I'm from Newcastle. So anytime we get anything on the east side like this, (laughs) I'm going to shout it out because we don't get a whole lot of cool stuff. So if you have the opportunity today, Parcel at Crossroads Mall, sneaker shop, streetwear, bape, Jordan, Off-White, Supreme, Supreme yeah. all of the stuff that you love. Uh, I just want to give them a shout-out because we're losing a lot of these brick-and-mortar stores, and those are the places that, you know, there's so much character and story and history in their respective cities, so you love to see new ones come along. So I'm going to shout them out. Hopefully they're here for a long time. Like there are a lot of new releases coming up, especially with NBA All-Star Weekend. Yes, yeah, in a couple stuff. weeks. So if you're a big sneakerhead, you know, download all the apps. Be sure you're paying attention and go to places like Recess and, and Parcel if you miss out on any of the, the releases that you're looking for. And always shop local if you can and support those local businesses because, uh, yeah, they're the lifeblood of these cities, and they're going to help. Uh, they help the, the culture and the life and the experience we get here in Seattle and anywhere else. So, support local business, and uh, I'm going to be hopefully getting out there after the show today with my buddy to do maybe some shopping, maybe pick up some shoes at yeah. Parcel in Crossroads. Run into our guy Tay down there. Also, yeah. I just want to quickly give a shout out. Uh, shout out to Seven Ten for allowing me the opportunity to uh, attend my first ever Super. Yes. Bowl last week that was an incredible honor and uh you know it's still kind of surreal to say that uh, you know i've been to a super bowl and i you know just just a kid from kent going to the super bowl so and cool man i was living through you man oh my gosh i love that and uh i hope everyone shout, else shout out to your dad for yes. experiencing a title andy jacobs finally team. 50 years in the making he got to watch uh the, the kansas city chiefs bring it home but uh yeah, and shout-out to the city of Kansas City. Just uh, great food, great barbecue, great people, and uh, they raised my dad, and that helped raise me, so I'm forever thankful for that. There we go. That is going to do it for us here today on Seattle Sports Saturday. Uh, last update from us on the Dragons-DC game. DC uh, with the ball right now, but they are punting fourth down, so the Dragons will get the ball back. Uh, they are up 6-3 to three in the second quarter, about midway through the second quarter. So, From all of us here at Seattle Sports Saturday, for Lydia Cruz and Taylor Jacobs, 
I'm Curtis Rogers. We will be back with you next Saturday. Same bad time, same bad place right here on 710 ESPN Seattle.